top of the morning, everybody. Everybody good? Come on, say it strong. Good morning. All right, there we are. My name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, I just want to welcome you to Connect. We're starting a new series today entitled Graffiti. Can't wait to get into that. Um, before we do, turn to your neighbor say, this is going to be really good. Get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> I want to make, uh, I want to amplify one announcement that already came, and that is uh, I just want to highlight Connect Groups, and I just want to bring kind of a personal um, I don't know, pastoral weight, whatever it is. If, if what I say matters, I just want to say, please get in a connect group. If you want to grow, if you want to stay healthy, you know, one of the things we say about connect groups is we all have issues. You've heard me say this. I won't do the joke today. <laughs> Anybody is new, they can learn it from somebody else. But, but, but basically, to, to face our tomorrows, we have to work through our yesterdays. And so where do you do that? You got to do that in, in interaction and not just exchange of information. And so there's just something that happens in that connectivity between and people and community. There's something that just happens. It's just supernatural. I am standing here today as a pastor because of the confidence that was gained to function in my gifts being in a connect group. Connect group changed my life. So I'm just, I'm being honest with you. I would not be in ministry today if it wasn't for what group did for me and what it showed me, what it taught me, what, it, what I saw, what I observed, what I experienced personally, and what I saw through uh, the gifts that God gave me to other people with my wife and family. It was unbelievable. So I just strongly encourage you. I would, listen to this. I would rather you go to a connect group than come here. Okay? So just to be, just to be real, it is, you will come here if you go to connect group, so I'm smart. <laughs> You will, because you want more. You want more. Okay, so I'm just telling you, uh, it's, it's critical to your growth. Get in a connect group. Get a small group directory uh, downstairs. Go to Guest Central. Go online at weconnect.cc. All the groups are on there. You can get turn-by-turn directions to people's houses, I think. That's what, I mean, it's, we, make it, we make it easy for you. Call somebody up. You can tell if it's going to work out in just a couple minutes. You know, it's okay. I don't think so. You know what I mean? You can just, you just know... <laughs> If those are your people, in just a couple of minutes. So shop around. Listen, connect groups are not the, the end point of relationship. They're the starting point. So don't go in and go, oh, I didn't, you know, they're not my people in just one week. Where, where did that ever happen? Anywhere. You, you know, maybe you had love at first sight with somebody and you married them. Good for you. I didn't have that. <laughs> next announcement. My next announcement is, is another exciting or important announcement. Um, how do I set this up? Basically... Um, we're, we're, the church, you know, that you're in right now, if you consider us your home church, whether you're, you know, a family member, a frequent flyer, or you're just on the fringe, just sneaking in right now, great, uh, that's awesome, but we feel like we have a mandate to reach beyond the four walls of our church. So long-term, just long-term, we believe, not very long, <laughs> we believe that we're going to be one church, many locations, opening campuses up in different locations, more strategically placed in people's neighborhoods and people's areas, and just kind of replicate what God has done here. Short-term, we're growing, and in probably... You know, we, uh, just the next few weeks, we're going to see a swell, and so we're getting ready for that. So we're going to be adding a third service on October 18th, okay? Third service. Come on, somebody. Yeah. So the launch is on October 18th, our service times. Thanks very much for the 815ers. Uh, thanks a lot for that. So uh, might have to bring the Red Bull back. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. 
So services uh, will start at 8.15, 10 a.m. and 11.45. They'll be 70 minutes long, sharp. We've been doing that for six weeks straight. So we're preparing for that. And then as soon as the third service basically fills up, we're not going to add another service at this location until God speaks audibly to me. And we'll just be launching campuses at other locations. So just get ready, get ready, get ready uh, about that. So you can look at our website for more details. Isn't that awesome? So, oh, one more thing I want to say about that. When you're in a growing church, you can be here, maybe you've been here a long time, and you're kind of sitting on the bench, or maybe you're brand new here, and you can look around, and you could say, oh, everything's covered, everything's all set, and the truth is, we're fine, uh, we, don't, we don't want you to do it because we need you to, to be involved, you need to do it to grow and get healthy. So, so I'm just telling you, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more today, but, but uh, we can do more ministry if you're involved. But I'm just encouraging you that our, we actually tell our teams now, our dream team, we're basically saying, you need to have a bench. You need to be three deep. We call it launch deep. You need to have use you. You need to have somebody who can do what you do. And you got to have somebody that maybe is going to be sent out to do it someplace else. So if you look, you look and you say, oh, they're covered. They got that. There's no place for me. That is a lie of the devil. Okay? So get involved. Get a part of, a, of the dream team. Get in a small group. There you go. Praise the Lord. Ready? All right, so get your worship guides out, and we're going to uh, kick this off. You can follow along in version as well. The series, again, graffiti. We're going to talk about making your unique mark on the world. Um, you'll have the opportunity to take some, no- some notes, rigorous notes, a little bit, but I'm going to open up and just kind of unpack a few things first. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. God has a mark that he wants you to make in the race you're to run, the lane you're supposed to be in. Now, graffiti is something, anybody ever heard of graffiti before? Anybody seen some graffiti before? Anybody, d- no, don't raise that. Anybody <laughs> done some graffiti before? Graffiti artists are always, you know, trying to make their mark on the world. Everybody's trying to make their mark on the world. Uh, I was walking my dog, Hunter, the other day. He's trying to make his mark on the world. <laughs> Even the animals know they're supposed to make a mark. There's something inside us that kind of wants to like mark our territory, exercise dominion, do something that has some greatness to it. And, and a graffiti artist, there are, there are these gifted people, often frustrated, looking for an outlet for their thoughts, for their ideas, for their talents, uh, for their opinions, really for their gifts to be expressed. And in many cases, because they didn't have an outlet, because there was no place to express their gift. Really, that's, that's, that's why graffiti, you know, the end game was graffiti. It was just some place to express themselves, some place to use their gift. Graffiti became that end game, the natural response, the outlet. And that's why we see all those pictures, you know, in back alleys and all those trains, cars plastered with graffiti art. And often graffiti can be a beautiful thing. If you, if you take a look at it, but more often than not, it's kind of an aberrant expression of something or someone probably who's been suppressed in some way or remain untapped, you know, in terms of talent or, or starved for attention and affection by others, maybe even God himself in their own minds. And these artists, what are they trying to do? They're trying to make a statement. They're trying to communicate in some way their convictions and their beliefs. And, and they're trying to say, this is my desire and this is my, this is my conviction or this is my belief. And they do it in a way that suits them, in a way that fits them. It's interesting 
that's really what's happening in graffiti. And you know what? This is really a picture of what we see in society today. This is a picture of what we see in humanity today. This is a picture, I believe, actually what we see in the church today, and I'll prove it to you in just a little bit. We've seen this over and over again over the centuries. People have these desires inside of them, and these corresponding beliefs... And these two things collide, but they're not, most people are not using them in a way that is making a difference. Instead, if used at all by the few who know what their gifts are, most cases they're being used for the wrong reasons or for selfish reasons. I, you know, and, and this isn't everybody, this is a generalization, uh, this is not completely fair, but a lot of times you observe people who know their gifts, a gifted athlete, a gifted musician, a gifted entertainer. I have certain entertainers that I love to watch and enjoy, and, and oftentimes I'm looking at them thinking, oh, what could they do in the kingdom of God? But they're doing it for, for money or for fame, or they're doing it for possessions or power or pleasure or things like that, and, and we see that all the time. But, but most people aren't like them. Most people don't even know their gifts. They don't have an outlet. Their expressions and their gifts aren't used at all. And e either they remain unknown from the world around them or they're unused because no one has found them. And as a result, artists, people just like us, we sometimes, we're, we're underground or we go underground, literally or figuratively. And these gifts, if they do surface, all they become is scratches on the wall not something or someone that's expressed to reach the world that God sees and loves, and he wants to use what you have in you to help them see what he sees. But God's intent from the beginning was completely different, and that was that our desires would line up with his, and, and his will for us and his design for us would surface, and we would see that, and we would have that outlet, that we would know, you know what we were created to do, and we would find an outlet for our gifts. And, and, and in order to make our mark on the world, it, it's preceded by knowing what those are. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it's in your notes later, but I'll unpack it now. I, I memorized it in a different translation, so I'm going to read it from another one. But it says, God has made us what we are. God made me who I am. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do. Everybody say to do. He made us to do good works. That's why he created you. He created you to do something, which God planned in advance. Everybody say in advance. advance. For us to live our lives doing. In other words, before, this is crazy. For some of you, it might be enlightening. Before you became to be, God created you to do something. Before you, before you were born, before you were knit together in your mother's womb, God, God created you to do something. He says, I have this purpose and this design, and then I'm going to put Derek, and I'm going to connect the two together. You were created to do something before you even came to be. Before we do anything, God wants us to know ourselves and know how we are made. I was watching uh, one of my favorite preachers, and, and, and you, you can have issues with them, and I get that, and it's okay, but I'm just talking about as a preacher, as an orator, as a communicator, the bishop, T.D. Jakes. Anybody ever listen to T.D. Jakes before or know who he is? If you don't, you need to become a Christian, okay, because <laughs> T.D. Jakes, come on. He's like, you know, he's the, he's the next Billy Graham, all right? But I was watching, I was watching the bishop, and I just, I just, sometimes I don't know what he's saying. I just love to hear his voice, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> you know what I mean? And he kind of struts around, you know, in a big suit like he does. You know, he's got, anyway. 
love watching him. But I was watching him, he was preaching, and he came down off the stage, and he was coming down the stairs, and when he was coming down the stairs, there was this uh, speaker. Now, I can't sit on this because it's a digital light, and Deej would be very mad at me, but there was like a speaker like here, like a, like a, mo- a monitor is what we would call it. And it was kind of slightly at a slant, and he sits right on this monitor. And while he's sitting on this monitor, uh, he's like, you know, um, I can do this, you know, this works for now. But this monitor was not created to hold a 300-pound bishop. (laughs) This monitor was not designed for me to sit here. It has no back support. There's no cushion. It's not at the right angle. Frankly, this is very uncomfortable, and it's not going to be very long before the bishop is going to get up off this monitor and not sit here any longer. In fact, when I look at this monitor that I'm using as a chair, I can see that it has this wiring in front and there's some acoustic speaker inside that and there's a wire that's going off to power. What kind of chair needs power? What's that all about? The point is that it wasn't a chair. It was a monitor and it was created to do something else other than what it was being used for. And it was creating a frustration from the person who was actually using that monitor as a chair instead of using it as a monitor, which was supposed to project voice and sound and do it in such an articulate and beautiful way. And that's what people are doing all the time. They're sitting on gifts that are not theirs. They're using their gifts in ways that are not supposed to be used. And it's creating frustration. Actually, it's, it's abusive. The word abuse has two words in it, abnormal use. People are frustrated in this life today because they are abusing their gifts or the gifts of someone else, and it's creating problems in life. Now, years ago, I came to the place where I knew I was called, but it was years later before I accepted the gifts and using those gifts for the calling in which I was called. My life changed when I found out what they were, sure, but they changed even more when I began to use them right. Stop trying to be something that I was not. I'm actually very comfortable doing what I'm doing right now. I know that this is my, this is my gift. Maybe somebody can do it better than me, and that's fine, but this is my primary gift. I'm, I, I'm as comfortable as sitting at home on my couch with the remote control watching the Patriots this afternoon. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm paying attention. Don't worry. I can feel the anointing, okay? So uh, this, is, this, is, this is as comfortable for me as that. But, but, but you might not feel so comfortable. If I came out there and I said, I'm going to give you the mic, can you finish the message? Somebody, just by saying that, felt throw up come into their mouth. <laughs> somebody just, you know, if I said, I, maybe you'd want to do it, and I'd point to somebody else and hand the mic, and they'd go flush in their face, and they'd go white. If I kept passing the mic, the room would empty, from the nausea and the fear, right? The flip side is true because if I was to do what you were created to, you might be a bookkeeper. You might be great with numbers. You see numbers. You just rat-a-tat-tat those numbers off. You're always multiplying and adding and subtracting, and you're just looking at things through that lens, and you might have to do accounting. And if I came into your job and you said, listen, what we have to find before we leave today is the 25 cents in order to reconcile the books. I will give you 25 bucks before I will go to find 25 cents. Hang me. Take me out. I want to be with Jesus today. That's not what I'm created to do. Is everybody tracking with me? So what is your design? What is your expression? Is it, in some cases, it's an aberrant expression. In other words, it's used 
underground for the wrong purposes. That's what graffiti artists a lot of times are doing. Sometimes it's hidden, and you or perhaps no one knows what it is in the first place. That's most of the world today. Sometimes it is known, and it's being solely used for selfish purposes or the wrong reasons or not the right reasons. For years, I tried to be a super pastor. I tried to do it all. In fact, we were raised, my parents were raised, Christians were raised in another generation. You have to do it all. You have to know it all. That was the culture. You don't ever want to be over the barrel. That's the old phrase we used to use, meaning you don't want somebody to leave you and then you're, you're up the creek without a paddle. You need to be able, you, everybody has to have the paddle. Everybody, you need to be able to do it all. And so that mentality was, was kind of, and that training was kind of brought into you. And so we tried to do everything. And as a result, I can remember I used to lead worship here at the church while I was a senior pastor. I used to do the core charts to rotations. I used to do schedules to modulations. Okay, I did it all. I used to do all the counseling in the church. Kids, family, married, pre-married, grief counseling. I counseled myself. I needed counseling after all that counseling. I used to be the service coordinator, the first impressions guy, the usher, the prayer guy, the overhead projector guy, and the soloist, all in one service. Take the offering, the wrap-up, the pre-service, the pre-roll, all that stuff was through one person. I used to do all the hospital visits, the baby birth visits, the home visits. I used to do the graphics, if that's not insane. Uh, the direct report, that was, I, everybody, was on, everybody reported to me. Insane, all right? Because that's what we were taught. Work hard, know how to do everything, try to do it all. And you know what? We're getting little done. And I was struggling, and I was frustrated, and I was burning out. And then God spoke sweetly to me, and he said, son, you're an idiot. <laughs> that's how he talks to me. So he talks to me. And I saw this in the Bible. And in Romans chapter 12, look in your notes, verse 3 and following. God showed me in his word. In essence, what he was saying is, you don't have all the gifts, Derek. You have some gifts, but you don't have them all. What are you doing? Don't try to do what somebody else is supposed to do. You do what you do. Turn to your neighbor and say, you do what you do. Do, do, do. All right? It says this. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, verse 3, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And then he goes on to say, we all have different gifts. We all have different gifts. I don't have all the gifts. I have different gifts. You have different gifts. Years ago, I saw ministry, quite frankly, life done a little differently. It was a game changer for me. You ever do something, go somewhere, be with someone, and something changes? Usually through relationship that happens. That's why connect groups can be so powerful. But my vision went from trying to help get everybody to help me fulfill my vision to my vision became help people figure out what their vision is and connect them to their gifts and their purpose. And it was a game changer for me. I realized life could be done differently that way. And so we started doing ministry differently at Connect. We, we began giving ministry away instead of doing it all ourselves. We began investing in people. We started teaching people. We started teaching people everyone has a gift, and your gifts are connected to your purpose. We started inviting people to lead in their gift and in their passions. And instead of 
fill a slot, do something out of nobility. If there's a need, fill the need. It doesn't work. It's unsustainable. I tried it personally, and it doesn't work as a church. And so we formed a dream team and not just a volunteer organization. We said, this is a volunteer, this is an employee, and this is a dream team. It's somebody who's operating not in survival mode or success mode, but in significance mode, changing the world and making a difference for eternity. That's what it means to be a part of a dream team. Can I have an amen? We decided that the ministries were not going to be determined by the pastor. They were going to be determined by the people and the gifts that were in the people. And we just need to mine for those gifts and the ministries would surface as a result. It was a game changer for our church. And we formed a conviction never to put a person in a place that they weren't gifted, that that was painful. It was like sitting on a monitor when you needed a chair. It's painful to watch. But it's beautiful when somebody's doing something that they were created to. When we started building teams and helping people fulfill their dreams, and it just changed our church from the inside out. Can I have an amen out there? And life began to change for many people in this church as a result of that philosophical change and that approach. And so that's what I want to see happen in our church again as we go forward as a body of believers. Amen? Amen. 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 Listen, um, as I was looking at this over and over again just this, this last week, I thought, what is the history of this? Where did it all go wrong? In the Old Testament, this is kind of where it all went wrong. And I'm not going to go through the whole Old Testament. It's going to take one second. Let me just tell you. In the Old Testament, God worked through special, anointed, solitary people known as priests. They were the only ones who had access, the only ones who spoke for God, the only ones with the particular gifts for God. They were special people. But it all changed when Jesus arrived. The New Testament, the New Covenant, the New Deal, everything changed. And when Jesus arrived on the scene, he basically said, you, editorially me, we are the light of the world. We've all been uh, gifted and equipped to do the work of the ministry. He said, you all are all priests now. There's not one priest there's a high priest, Jesus Christ, but because of what he did, we all can have the priesthood of the believers. We all become priests. Who, when I say priests, I don't mean white collar, change your voice when you pray. You know what I mean? Speaking King James. I'm talking about somebody who has these, um, this office, this license, these giftings and abilities to be able to do what God's called them to do. And so Jesus looked at ordinary people and he told them, you're all priests now. And then one day, the day of Pentecost came in Acts chapter 2, and the Spirit of God settled on all of the people. Everybody that was there. And, and message was clear in that book, in, in, in the book of Acts, and that was simply that God wanted his power on everyone's life. And he took ordinary people and he basically said, I want to use them to do something powerful. And here's what happened Jesus ascended, he left. And then man messed it up again. Christian leaders determined that now to do ministry, we're going to hire people to do ministry. And so clergy came as a result of that. And the remaining people, non-clergy of faith, passively watched and sat on the sidelines instead of participating on the field of faith. Then you only saw ministry done by clergy. They were the only ones known as ministers. And then later in the 1500s, what's known as the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther comes on the scene, and once again, he tries to restore that which was broken or fix that which was broken, and he teaches again on the priesthood of the believer. We don't have to go through one man or one person or just a clergy or a special person. No, you are all special. You are all a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who will show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness darkness into his wonderful, wonderful light and wondrous light. And he taught that and he preached that. But unfortunately, nothing changed. And there were still two groups of people, clergy and lay people. And today, that's why people, as a result, still live, many believers still live unfulfilled lives. Yeah. 
They just move from, at best, the street to the seat, and that's it, instead of to significance where God wants them. And churches struggle along, and the whole team is not on the field of faith, operating in their gifts and learning their roles. And there's no biblical support for that structure in the scriptures. He wants to take ordinary people and do extraordinary things. And so here's what the Bible says. Now you can take notes. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Every Christian is a minister. Every Christian is a minister. You could say modern language leader if you like, but 1 Peter 2 tells us that. We're all ministers. We're all called. It's not just special people. I was playing golf recently, a beautiful golf course in, in Sutton, Massachusetts with my brother and one of my elders and uh, uh, one of our, our bank associations. And, and this, this VP of Fidelity says to me, he says, Pastor Derek, and by the way, there, was, there were clouds coming and it looked like it was going to rain, the formation of, of, of a storm that was coming. He said, Pastor Derek, don't you have a direct line or access to God? Do something. And, I, and I, was, I'm always, I always marvel at that, that association that only special people can connect with God and talk to God. By the way, I always tell them, I'm in sales, not management. <laughs> but everybody who is a called, called by God is a, is a minister. Everybody has that ability to connect with God themselves. Everybody can say to a storm, cease and be still. Everybody can say to a circumstance in their life and call upon the name of the Lord and he'll help and he'll rescue. Can I have an Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Number two, every task is important. Every task is important. There's not an A list and a B list in the New Testament church. It's not, it's not true. Some say, well, Derek, you have the most important job in here. You're the pastor. And I would just say this about that. There's no quarterback that doesn't need his linemen. Tom Brady is not going to tell the team, hey, guys, take the day off. I got this by myself. <laughs> It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen today. We're all teammates. Everybody is needed. Everybody is equally significant. Everybody is indispensable. Indispensable. If, you don't sh if the linemen don't show up, there's going to be some sacks. There's going to be some people hurting. That's what happens in the body, by the way. When there's just a quarterback and there's no linemen, when there's no guards, when there's no receivers, when, when, there's not a, when there's no special teams, when people don't know their role and operate in their gift, people suffer for that. People suffer for that. 1 Corinthians 12, says, on the contrary, this, he's saying, Paul's saying, those of you who think your gift doesn't matter, he says, nope. See, some of you want somebody else's gift, and you're exalting what God did for you above what you want him to do for you. What he did for you is significant and important and perfectly designed. He created you to do something before you came to be. It's the perfect fit. And it's the only place you'll be happy or fulfilled. Not being what I am, not being a monitor or a chair. You might have been called to be another piece of furniture or another role, another function. And it's there that you'll find significance, not somebody else's thing. You'll be frustrated and you'll be in pain if you do it that way. 1 Corinthians says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, indispensable. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that you, God's generosity can flow through you. See, he's got all these awesome gifts. He's telling you to steward them. When you steward them well, he's going to bless you and everybody else. Oh, that's awesome. Number three, every person is unique. Say unique. You're not one in a million, you're one of a kind, is what God is saying here. We're all wired differently. We all have a different purpose. We all have different gifts. The devil tells you sometimes you don't matter. You do. This is what I love about America's Got Talent. 
I was watching this show the other day. I actually watch reruns of it on YouTube because I just get pumped up. Because I love seeing these diamond-in-the-rough stories, these people. Nobody knew about them. No, these, like, graffiti artists who were in the back alleys. Nobody knew until somebody saw them, somebody heard them, somebody observed them. That's what I think the church is supposed to do. See, hear, and observe your gifts and pull those things out and get you before God and God's people and say, do you know how you can sing? Do you know how you can connect with people? Do you know your gift of mercy, how many people it can help? Do you know you're such a leader? Call it out. Call it out and then steward that and release that. That's what God wants to do. You are America's Got Talent. Amen? But they won't know if we don't tell them. And people won't know if they don't step up and step out. And one of my greatest concerns as a parent and as a pastor is what can I do to help people find their gifts? One day I was listening recently to my youngest daughter. She's in the room and I was listening to her sing at the office because she's going to be singing in a few weeks. And, and, and I was thinking when I was listening to her, what a gift. What a gift. I was just, it was an awe. And, and, and this is what I thought. I thought, it was so special. I thought, you know, a gift, by the way, she didn't do anything for it. She just, he just gave it to her. The only responsibility she has is to use it. When she uses it for God, that's when it's special. That's when it's supernatural, I might submit to you. And I actually felt God's presence. I thought, I bet, you know, it feels like God is here. It feels like God. And I believe he was. Because I think not only are you, people get blessed when you use your gift, but I think you're blessing God because he gave you something. How would you feel if you gave somebody a gift and you watched them use it? Oh, does anybody catch what I'm throwing out right now? I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. That's what God sees. We need to accept our uniqueness and allow God to use us for something bigger than ourselves. But we're all different. God, God made you that way. How many of you would say you're an extrovert? Raise your hand. You're an extrovert. All right. How many of you say you're more an introvert? I find it interesting that introverts raise their hand easier than the extroverts. I would have thought all the extroverts would have been like, yeah! You know what I mean? The introverts, I don't care. You know what I mean? How many of you, you know, when you go on vacation, you like the, the busy, we're going to have pancakes at 8, and then we're going to do hot dogs at 12, and we're doing, you know, we're going to do uh, whatever, those 4th of July at night and fireworks. How many of you those kind of people? Those kind of people? Go, go, go. How many of you chilling like a villain on the beach with a brew? Okay, that's you guys. Yep, that's you. Okay. God did that. He did that. He made you different. He made you unique. He made you special. It was his purpose. Some are athletic. Some are not. How do you know? You just can tell. Some can sing. Some cannot. You can just tell. You can just tell. See, God did that. You need to find your unique expression so that you can make your mark on the world. Number four, everyone is a 10 in some area. That's our goal at Connect For You. Just so you know, our goal isn't, to, isn't for more people and more money. Ah, I hate that kind of thinking. No, our win is to figure out what your 10 is and get you in it. Because when you make a difference, you do things that matter, eternal to be changed, and we're going to stand before God, all of us, and give an account of our life. There are two big tests, the test of faith and the test of works. We're going to stand before God, and what's your position with God? You're my son, what's your deal with him? And what did you do with what I gave you? 
And my job as a pastor is to try to make you ready to do the best with what he gave you. And if we can help you figure that out, that's what we're here to do. Can I have an amen? Amen. But you got to know your spiritual gifts. You got to know what they are. You got to understand those. And I would just submit to you that one of the best places to do that, we offer this tonight in the lower auditorium at 530. We have what's called 301. It's a discovery class. Some of you may need to do it again because you just forgot your gifts. Because that's why, you know, you have, to, you have to be reminded, it says in 2 Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God. So sometimes you forgot. But if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, you, let me tell you something. If you don't know your spiritual gift, you don't know your purpose. Because they're connected. If you're frustrated, and if you're not, you're riding on temporary momentum. You're just living for the weekend, you've got some fun, you've got some pleasure, you've got some money, you've got some discretionary this, it will, it will not last. I'm just telling you. Your fulfillment comes when you figure out what your gift is and you're flowing and operating and blowing and going in your gift for God and your purpose is connected, your destiny is connected to your design. Amen. It is. It's totally connected to that. And God doesn't want us to be ignorant, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. 87% of believers do not know their spiritual gift. They're unaware. That's a wow. Are you kidding me? It's because of what I, the history of the church and the enemy is trying to dupe us. Just go, listen, uh, more information, more information to condemn me about what I'm not doing. But what is a spiritual gift? Write this down. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together they can advance his purposes in the world. It's a supernatural, special ability. And with that ability comes benefits. Everybody say benefits. Let me give you three benefits of your spiritual gift. You ready? Write these down. They'll come in quick. My gift shows me God's plan for my life. My gift shows God's plan for my life. It's the number one question that people ask. The Purpose Driven Life, written by Rick Warren, Saddleback Church, is the second best-selling book next to the Bible. The Bible has like over 5 billion books sold, okay? Nothing comes close to it, blows everything out of the water. The Purpose Driven Life is somewhere around 300 to 500 million copies that it was sold, many, many languages. It answers the question, why am I here? And I can tell you, and I've said it before, it's not to suck air, take up space, abuse God's grace, go to church, repent, go, go back into the world, go to church, repent, go back into the world. No, it was for more. You were created for more than that, much more than that. God created you to do something, but your design will reveal your destiny. Number two, my gifts are the key to happiness. My gifts are the key to happiness. Real joy doesn't come from making a lot of money. It doesn't come from having a lot of pleasure. It doesn't come from just having things. Real joy comes from making a difference. Making a difference. I think deep down everybody wants to make a difference. That's the third point. My gifts can Make a difference. It's actually only through your gifts that you can make a difference. Because when you try to do something that somebody else was created to do, it leads to frustration. It leads to discouragement, not to encouragement. It le- doesn't lead to making a difference. It leads sometimes to, to division and difficulties. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Always, not sometimes, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. This is so cool. Because you know that your labor of the Lord is not in vain. When you give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, you will make a difference, but you will also be fulfilled in the process. Now, you might have come in here today and known that you were a priest as a Christ follower. 
Good for you. That's awesome. High five. That's great. But some of you may have forgotten or didn't know that you were a priest and what it means. A priest is someone who's connected to their gift and using their gift for God. And I was thinking, you know, what would it be like if an entire church community was mobilized, activated, on fire? How? By knowing their gift and using their gift. That would be incredible. That's like my dream. It's like my dream. Can you imagine passing around the microphone and everybody telling me their gift and how they're using it? I actually started writing some things down last night, and I was thinking of people, and and several of them were in the last service, so I actually personalized it. But uh, just imagine this. I hand a microphone around, and we just went through the room, and everybody said, Hi, my name is Donna. I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ with the spiritual gift of mercy. I serve at Shadows and Meadows right here in Ashland, and I just love helping the helpless. I was made uniquely for this purpose. Hey, my name is Sabu, and I'm a priest, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ as well with the spiritual gift of administration, which is one. I serve and connect kids, securely checking people in and connecting them to the local church. I just love it when things work smooth. I was made uniquely for this purpose. Hi, my name is Jim, and I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ with the spiritual gift of helps. I serve wherever I am in need. I feel like I'm responsible to make sure things work right and look right. I was made uniquely for this purpose. Hey, my name is Kevin, and I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ with the spiritual gift of evangelism. I serve at the 508, and I want to reach friends in the community through small groups who are far from God. I was made uniquely for this purpose. Hey, my name is Herman, and I'm a priest, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ with the spiritual gift of leadership. I lead a small group at my home and teach classes at Connect, created to develop people and move them forward in their faith and in their life. I was made uniquely for this purpose. Hey, my name is Barbara. I'm a priest, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, too, with the spiritual gift of hospitality, and I serve there in hospitality. I want to help people feel that they're special because they are. I was made uniquely for this purpose. Are you getting something out of this? Hey, I'm Joni. And I'm a priest, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ with the spiritual gift of intersection. My, wo- my home is a war room. I stay at home and pray, and I think I'm making a difference as I pray for the ministries of this church behind the scenes that affects what you see in the front. I was made uniquely for this purpose. Hey, my name is Bob, and I'm a priest, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I think I have the spiritual gift of goofiness, and I just hang out with young kids and make them feel special. I was made uniquely for this purpose. Wouldn't that be amazing if an entire dream team was ignited and aware of their spiritual gift? I would say this. My name is Derek, and I'm a priest, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and my gift is pastor, and my, where I feel fulfilled and where I make a mark is helping you connect to your vision, to your purpose, and to your gifts. Amen? Can you stand to your feet? Let's pray. Let's pray. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray for you quickly so you can connect in groups today and hang out today and enjoy what's coming up really soon. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Just honor the person to your right or to your left. This doesn't make you more spiritual. It just helps people feel like they're just between them and God and they're, they're by themselves, as it were. Because I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I want people to have that moment, that their own personal altar call, as it were. My conviction is that all over the planet today, every faith, every creed, every every creation is seeking God, not just because he's God. They're seeking God not just because he's good. They're seeking God because they need answers. 
to questions that can only be answered by the Creator. They're seeking God because they want answers that can, can't come from the object, the chair or the monitor, but from the manufacturer of the chair or the monitor. The, the one who created it and made it is the only one who can tell us how things were made and what they were made for. God has a grand plan for our lives, and it's connected to our gifts. If we would allow him to show us what those gifts are and to use them, our lives could be changed. He is the secret to every person's purpose because he's God. He's the creator. He gave them to you according to his word. If you know today there's a level of frustration and friction and a lack of significance, God can even use that. He might have even had some of that stuff not caused but leveraged so you would reach out for him. You would turn to him. You would call upon him. Everything connected to your purpose is connected to God. But in order to come to God, you have to go through his son. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one mediator between God and man. That's Jesus Christ. If you've never made that connection with him, it all starts with his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. So if you're here today, you know God is speaking to you and you're listening online and you know God is speaking to you, your response to a gift is what makes the gift valuable. Every gift is doesn't have, it's not priceless, uh, it's actually worthless if it's not opened. And so if you would open your heart and you would receive the gift of Jesus Christ, he would show you your gifts and your purpose and plan for your life would be revealed. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, that's me, pastor, would you pray for me? I don't want to leave before. Good and high so you don't miss an opportunity. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you all the way. God bless you all the way to the back there. That's awesome. Anybody else I don't want to miss? God bless you over here. That's awesome. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing, amazing. You can just keep your heads, clo- your, your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Would you pray this prayer with me, church? Would you pray along with them? Pray this prayer from your heart. Just say, Jesus, I can't do it without you. Today I admit of my own free will that I need you in my life. I need to turn, not to the created, but to the creator. And I realize that that's through your son, Jesus. I invite Jesus Christ to be my Savior and also the Lord of my life. Lead me and guide me. Reveal to me your gifts and your purpose and plan in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for every person that prayed that prayer, that you seal that in Jesus' name, that nothing would come in and steal it or rob it. I thank you, Lord, that your word says... Their names are now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They couldn't earn it or deserve it. It was given to them by grace, and they just took that grace and received it. And because of that, by faith, they've been saved in Jesus' name. And all God's children, all God's church said a big amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Come on, come on.